I've been overwhelmed by the love of God in the past few weeks. And we're taking kind of a break in the middle of our faith series, but it's not really a break. It all ties in together. Uh, This is just something I've come up with today because Stuart is preaching specifically to the confirmands at at the traditional service. So I just want to share with you what's on my heart. Uh, A few weeks ago at retreat, my dear roommate Denise Johnston, one morning as we were worshiping, said to me, You know, he didn't have to. Jesus didn't have to, but he did. And I tell you what, dear sister, that has blown me away. And I have been pondering that over and over. And in my time of worship and prayer, I am filled with overwhelming gratitude to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because he didn't have to die an ugly death for us, but he did. And because he did, that makes all the difference in the world. So that's where I want to go today. And that takes us to the Garden of Gethsemane. So turn in your Bibles or get out your phones and turn to Matthew 26. Matthew 26, starting with the 36th verse. Matthew 26, 36 to 46. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther... He fell with his face to the ground, and he prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body, the flesh, is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let's go. Here comes my betrayer. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. He didn't have to, but he did. Let's take a look at those things. Let's take a look at Jesus Christ, fully divine. But this story, more than ever, I think, gives us the image of Jesus Christ, fully human. What did he say? First of all, he said, my soul is overwhelmed. You've been there. I've been there. Other translations say, 
Jesus said, I'm very sorrowful, I'm troubled, I'm deeply grieved. I have been plunged into agonizing sorrow. I'm sad as if I'm dying. And another translation says, the sorrow is crushing my life out. You can picture him, can't you, on that garden, on the ground of the garden, falling flat on his face. God, I am so overwhelmed. And secondly, if it's possible, will you take this cup away from me? Do you hear what Jesus prayed? I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. This is not what I had planned for my life, Jesus the human being is saying. This doesn't compute at all with my dreams, my desires, the deepest desires of my heart. It doesn't compute. If it's possible, will you take it away? And then finally, Jesus says, not my will, but yours be done. You see, he didn't have to, but he did, and it makes all the difference in the world. We need to look at the sufferings of Jesus Christ, and so will you go to 2 Corinthians? 2 Corinthians chapter 1. This will apply to our lives. We say we're followers of Jesus Christ. That means we need to take on his sufferings so we can experience the joy of his resurrection. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, starting with the third verse. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Now listen to this. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort flows. I want to repeat that. Because therein, Paul is telling the, the people at that, at that church in Corinth, but he's telling us today that we've got to identify with the sufferings of Jesus Christ. Verse 5, for just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort flows. Do you hear it? That when we take on the sufferings of Jesus Christ, therein also we take on the hope, the joy, the freedom, and the comfort. All right, go back to um, Philippians. Philippians chapter 3. Uh, we're going to start with the seventh verse. Philippians 3, 7 through 11. Paul continues to write this time to another church in the city of Philippi. Whatever was to my profit, this is what Jesus talked about when he said uh, the flesh and the body is weak. Paul is saying, whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What's more, I consider every loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. For whose sake... 
I have lost all things. I consider those things, he's, Paul is saying those things of the world, the, the fleshly desires, I consider them rubbish now. How about that? I consider the things of the world, the things of the flesh, garbage now, Paul says, so that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is mine through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God is by faith. I want to know Christ in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection of the dead. All right, that's where we need to go. The suffering, the fellowship of our suffering with Jesus Christ so that we can also take on his resurrection. Jesus models the way. He models the way. He submitted to his heavenly father. He surrendered his own will to that of his heavenly father. And he was obedient even unto death. We need to look at those three things because he didn't have to, but he did. So let's look first at submission. I probably made a face because that word just, <laughs> it's, I'm not, I'll just say if you haven't figured it out, I'm not one to submit. And God is calling us to absolute submission. Submission, what does it mean? It's acknowledging and accepting that we can't do things on our own. It's acknowledging that God is God. God is the authority of the kingdom here on earth and all of heaven. He is God and we're not. That's submission. But it's bowing down to God's authority over us. And for me, that posture is really important. It is a true bowing down. Or for me, it would be falling flat. It's letting go. It is truly letting go. It's a conscious acceptance of reality. See, but in submission, I believe we still often hang on to our pride. In submission, I can submit in my head. And I can say God is, is God and I'm not. Jesus is Lord and Savior of my life. But deep down, in a, deep down inside, I might be saying things like, someday I'll be able to handle this. Or... Uh, what's another thing I wrote down? There will come a day when, when, I can, when I can manage, when I have this mastered. So for me, I don't know for you, you may disagree, but for me, submission is more of a mind thing. And it's, it's easier for me to uh, hold back my control. I know I need to submit to God, but it's only when I pile on this next thing, surrender, that I truly can let go. See, for me, and I hope, I think it, it, it applies to you, surrender is an all-out letting go. It is letting go of our need for control so that God can lead and guide us. When our focus of resistance ceases to function, 
when our focus of resistance ceases to function. I, we accept reality for what it is when we can't help but respond to the call of the Holy Spirit. You know, you've experienced these where you maybe literally fall on your face and say, God, I need help. I can't do it anymore. That's utter surrender. We are called to submit to God's authority in our lives, but then, yes, deeper still, we are called to surrender to his will for our lives. And you know what? I think you've experienced it. I know I have. When I get to that place of surrender, it's peace. There is no more striving. There's, there's no battle of wills. My pride is flat out out of the way. And it is peace-filled communion and trust with Jesus. My friends, that's where we're called to live as followers of Jesus Christ, submitting to the authority of God, the kingdom of earth and the kingdom of heaven, and then surrendering to his will, not ours. And see, that's where I believe the head and the heart get connected, that it is out of our heart that we truly live a life of surrender. And then the third thing happens, which is obedience. When we recognize the authority of God, when we surrender fully, when we relax into the unknown, huh, doesn't that sound like an oxymoron or a contradiction? Relaxing into that place of the unknown. That's where the freedom comes. That's where the joy, that's where the faith and the trust are truly lived out. Because then we are believing, we are trusting We are living in faith, and we are doing what God wants us to do. I went back to look at the 12 steps from the AA program, and they seem so applicable here. I'm not going to go through all all 12, but listen to the first three. We admitted we were powerless, in this case, over alcohol or the substance of addiction. We admitted that we were powerless, that our lives had become unmanageable. We came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. And then we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. I believe that that's how we're called to live as followers of Jesus Christ. Submitting to God's authority, surrendering to him and obeying his guidance. And when we do that, abundant life and freedom and the beauty of the resurrection is ours. And you see, it's not a when we get to heaven kind of thing. It's a right here and now. That's the great thing about being United Methodist. We believe the kingdom of God is a both and. It's right here and now. We don't have to wait for that communion. We don't need to wait for that beauty of the resurrection. We don't wait for the hope that comes, the joy that comes in Jesus Christ. It's available to us right now. Oh, thanks be to God. Mm. All right, a song that triggered all of my pondering is this. It's a new one. It's um, Your Grace Amazes Me, Christy Knuckles. Listen to these words. 
Jesus, you alone walked that road all for love. The road to Calvary where death would lose its sting, where chains are broken free. Greater love has no one than this, that you would give your life the perfect sacrifice to wash our sins away. Your grace amazes me. Where else could I go? Where else could I run but to your arms? There's no height, no depth you can't reach. You are my everything, and what else can I say? What else can I do? I stand in awe. That's the way I want to live my life. God is calling us to submit, to surrender, and to obey. A, th- a 20th century theologian, some of you read his devotional, uh, My Utmost for the Highest, Oswald Chambers, said this, Are we willing to surrender our grasp on all that we possess? To surrender our desires and everything else in our lives? Are we ready to be identified with the death of Jesus Christ. Now this is the hard stuff. This is like praying my my heart's open wide. Hands up, my heart's open wide. Are we ready to be identified with the death of Jesus Christ? If you are faced with such a question, he says, of whether or not to surrender, make a determination to go through the crisis. Surrendering all that you have and all that you are to him. And God will then equip you to do all he requires of you. The order of those words hit me. It was one of those, yet again, holy two by fours. Did you hear it? He said, you, you go through the crisis surrendering all that you have and all that you are and God will then equip you. We claim fully that God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. You know, we say that flippantly. We say it all the time. But I had not thought that perhaps we're called to this sequence of events to submit, to surrender, and to obey, and then God will equip us. Do you understand what that means? It's an emptying of ourselves. It's a forfeiting of our dreams, our desires, and our goals. And it's, it's saying just like Jesus prayed, not my will, but yours, O Lord. Oh, so... This is what I've been pondering, and I invite you to join me. What in your life is unmanageable? Where do you need God to restore your sanity? Where do you need to surrender today? What part of your life are you holding on to with the grips of self-will, of pride, or self-control? 
What do you need to turn over to God? Jesus didn't have to, but he did. And because he did, you and I can live a life of freedom, of joy-filled obedience. I realized I used the phrase hunky-dory last week, and I'm sorry. You know, sometimes things just pop out, and when I was reviewing it, I thought, oh my goodness, hunky-dory. But life isn't hunky-dory all the time, and you know that. But even in the midst of the, the most challenging of circumstances, God is right there with us. And that's the joy, the beauty of the resurrection, the hope that we can have when we choose to be in fellowship with the sufferings of Jesus Christ. I think it's very fitting that today we pray the prayer together that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Let's pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.